I'm going to get right into my fourth part of redemption in all actuality. This is part five because Pastor Josh did such an incredible job on Wednesday night. I told him afterwards, I said, Josh, you are really an incredible teacher. And we enjoyed him Wednesday night. So in all actuality, this would be part five is part four for me. Charles Spurgeon said these words, the doctrine of redemption is one of the most important doctrines of the system of faith. The doctrine of redemption is one of the most important doctrines of the system of faith. A mistake on this point will inevitably lead to a mistake through the entire system of your belief. That's a strong, strong statement by a strong, strong preacher. We have been coming out of Luke chapter 21, and specifically verse 28, and I'll read that from two versions today. First it says, and we, when these things begin to come to pass, Jesus speaking, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. And he's talking about trouble or troubled or turbulent times. He says, nation will rise against nation. Many will be offended, right? Hmm. He says, there will be pestilences in the earth. And he says, when all these things begin to happen, look up and lift up. Why? Because your redemption draweth not. The Message Bible reads it like this. When all this starts to happen, up on your feet, stand tall with your heads high. Help is on the way. We've been saying that every Sunday. Let's say it together. Come on. Help is on the way. Shout it real loud. Come on. Amen. I'm going to preach this message that is entitled, You Are Worth It. I want you to look at three people around you and just say those words. You are worth it. Let us pray. Father, I humble myself before you and in front of these people. And I ask you to anoint this vessel of clay, this flesh. Anoint me today. And help me to preach things that I did not study to say. Help the people to hear things that I do not say. In other words, Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit takes over in this service. We want to be on your agenda, Holy Spirit, because it is you that brings comfort and it is you that provides counsel. Many in this room need counsel. Others need comfort. But we just want to follow the leading of you, Holy Spirit. And Father, in everything that is said and done, let the name of Jesus be magnified. Hallelujah. We have purposely come in this building to glorify and magnify your name. And as we preach today, I just believe that deliverances will start happening. I believe revival will break out in the spirit and souls of men and women. They will be renewed. They will be refreshed simply because your presence is in this house. Lift those hands, please. Father, I thank you for dealing with us today. Fix what is broken. Fix what is broken. We give you praise for everything you will accomplish in the next few moments of time. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Before you sit down, would you give him praise one more time? Come on. Amen. Before you sit down, one more thing. Tell three more people one more time. You are worth it. You are worth it. Redemption. Redemption. Many times to understand what a word is, you must first understand what it is not. So I studied this morning the antonyms to redemption or the word redeem. An antonym would be to disregard, to disregard. You do not disregard what you know is redeemable. We do not disregard what we know is redeemable. Another antonym to the word redeem or redemption would be ignore, to ignore. We should never ignore what God has recognized as valuable enough to be redeemed. Let me say it again. We should never ignore what God has recognized as valuable enough to redeem. There are many antonyms. I'll give you a third one. It would be abandon. Abandon. God never abandons the asset. Even if the asset is in a frail season. Say it again. God never abandons the asset. Even when the asset is in a frail season. Redemption says, they tried to abort you. And they did abandon you. Therefore, they have given me the occasion to redeem you. Redemption allows what others have forsaken to be restored. Redemption allows what others have forsaken to be restored. You needed the rejection of people for you to understand the value of the redemption of God. We'll say that again. You needed the rejection of people for you to properly understand the value of the redemption of God. So if those are the antonyms, what is the definition? To redeem, to save from a state of sinfulness. Not only the state of sinfulness, but the consequences from sinfulness. To redeem is to save from the consequences of sinfulness. It means to recover the ownership of something. When David gets to Ziklag and discovers that his city has been burned, he prays and he says, God, shall I pursue the enemy that has destroyed my city? And God says, you shall pursue them and you shall recover all. Some of you are going to come into the revelation that your redemption is in things that you recover, that the enemy has stolen from you. Just let me say it like this. We're going to get it all back. Hallelujah. It means to turn something in and receive something else in exchange. 
like those coupons you take to the grocery store. Anyway, to fulfill a pledge, to redeem is to convert one thing into another thing, like redeeming stocks. Or when Jesus converts Peter, he says, you are this man, but when I get done with you, you're going to be this man. It means to rescue something or someone specifically with a ransom to pay for it. I've learned something about redemption. Redemption always cost someone something. Redemption always cost someone something. Hmm. I like this definition. To redeem is to restore the honor or to restore the worth. Did you hear that? Watch this. Redemption is to restore the reputation. Hallelujah. I think I'll read that again. Redemption, to restore the honor, to restore the worth, or to restore the reputation. That tells me that sometimes redemption takes time. Everybody say it, my redemption is near. So in all actuality, literally, it means to reestablish, to reinstate, or Simply to restore. Redemption is restoration. To bring back to the original existence. To bring back to the original intention. Are you still with me? Redemption is to put back into use things that are usable. Hallelujah. To put things back in a functioning proper place is redemption. Romans 3.23, for all of us that think we have no need of redemption, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified by grace through the redemption. Did you hear it? Justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Ravi Zacharias preached an incredible message on redemption. I pulled one of his quotes for us this morning. He said, when you find your definitions in God, you find the very purpose for which you were created. Put your hand into God's hand. Know his absolutes. Demonstrate his love. Present his truth, and the message of redemption will take hold. That's a strong quote. Ravi Zacharias. I'm going to read it again. When you find your definitions in God, you find the very purpose for which you were created. Put your hand into God's hand. Know his absolutes, demonstrate his love, present his truth, and the message of redemption will take hold. Well, I think I'm done with my introduction. I want you to go to Ruth chapter 4 for our text this morning. Ruth chapter 4 
and verse number one. The Bible says, Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here. And they did so. Ruth, powerful lady in the Old Testament. It's interesting. Ruth was a Gentile that married an Israelite. Esther was an Israelite that married a Gentile. And God used both, both women to influence powerful men to bring redemption to a situation. Let's continue. Verse 3. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. Listen carefully. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you. Listen carefully. Boaz says, I am next in line. I want everyone in the building to say those words. I am next. Say it again. And then he says, I will redeem it. The man said, then Boaz said, on the day you buy that land from Naomi, you're going to also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the Redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I can't do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing the redemption. Verse 8, so the redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he took off his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and the people, today you witness this, that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, Whew. so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are my witnesses. Then the elders of all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman Ruth, who is coming into your home like Rachel, and make her like Leah, who together built the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah, and be famous in Bethlehem through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman. Whoo! Thank God for Ruth. Somebody say redemption. It is impossible to recognize your need for redemption when you do not have the revelation of who you are without it. It is impossible, hear me again, to recognize your need for redemption 
when you do not have the revelation of who you are without redemption. The desire for redemption. Sometimes I think the name, the book, Ruth should have been called the book of Naomi. Because really the story starts and ends with Naomi. Oh yeah. The one whose name means bitterness. The one who said twice that the Lord dealt me a bitter hand. You know Naomi. Naomi is married to Elimelech. They live in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Bread in the Hebrew meaning the house of the presence of God. Famine hits Bethlehem. You know the story. And they leave Bethlehem and they go to Moab thinking we can find something in Moab in a fatherless region that we could not find in a land of famine. Sometimes it's better to stay in an area where there's famine than to live in a place that is out of order. I don't know if you just heard that right there. You could be in a place that's got a lot of stuff, but the lack of order that you've connected yourself to could possibly bring chaos into your situation. And it's just because you left the right place because it didn't feel right and exchanged it for a place that wasn't right because you thought you could find what you need in what they had, but you did not, lo- you did not realize the value of what you left. Hmm. Naomi in Moab, her husband dies, and she wants redemption more than anything. This morning in prayer, I told the Lord, here I go, Lord, preaching part four or five on the series of redemption And I heard the Holy Spirit say redemption is really a matter of how bad you want it. Redemption is really about how much do you desire redemption. Ruth chapter 3 verse 4 tells us something about this girl Naomi. Now she gets back to Bethlehem. People start calling her name. She says, don't call me that. Just call me bitter. Because the Lord has dealt that bitter hand to me. But Naomi is wiser than her words. She tells the girl who refused to stop following her, named Ruth. You know Ruth. The one that said, yeah, my husband, your son died. But I'm, stuck. I'm sticking with you. Wherever you go, I'm going. Wherever you lodge, I'm going to lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. And wherever you die, that's where I'm going to die. So now Naomi is positioned in the place of a pontifex. She's positioned in a place of between. She knows both sides. She knows Ruth has a tenacity. That Ruth will follow her wherever she goes. That Ruth is loyal. That Ruth is committed. Strange word in this day we live in. 
But she also knows the other side, Boaz. Because Boaz is her husband's brother. And she knows everything about him, meaning she knows his ways. She knows his methods. And she knows that he is a redeemer in the line of Elimelech. Boy, this is going to get right in a minute. Now watch this. So Naomi tells Ruth, look, I know this guy. I know my redeemer. And in verse 4 of chapter 3, she tells Ruth, listen to this woman. When the redeemer lays down, note the place where he's laying down. Listen, Ruth. Girl, go in there and uncover the man's feet. And lay down. He'll tell you what to do. Now, you got to read the story. Because the Bible... Sometimes I think we exempt the reality of Scripture and we just pick out, you know, those little beautiful verses. But Boaz, uh, it appears that Boaz liked to sip a little bit. It appears. I'm just saying because the Bible says he drank something and it made him happy. Read it for yourself. And then my man Boaz goes in there at the end of the heap of corn and he lays down. <laughs> now, my man didn't even make it to bed. He's sleeping with the corn. Suddenly, the Bible says at midnight, he felt something tickling his feet. And some versions say it terrified him. You know, the more proper version says, and he was afraid. It connotes the idea in the Hebrew that he freaked out. He jumped up like, girl, what are you doing? Not only at my feet, but you are laying down at my feet. What are you doing here? Now watch this. Ruth said, listen. I just came to do what I'm supposed to do. Remember what Naomi said? He will tell you what to do. She wins his favor, making a long story short. Verse 16 says, Ruth came back to Naomi. And Naomi said, hey girl, How'd it go last night? And she told her everything that Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me six measures of barley. And he said, don't go, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Boaz was sending Naomi a message. Girl, I not only got you, I got her too. Naomi, I know you out there. I'm going to make it more real for you. Back up one more chapter, and all of a sudden you find Boaz out in the field, 
and he sees this girl and he says, hey, fellas, who's that fine young lady? Oh, can I just throw a little excerpt in there, a little extra? In Louisiana, we call it land yap. I'm going to give you a little land yap. Here's your land yap. If, she, if he is Elimelech's brother and Ruth is Naomi's son's wife, then that makes them approximately 20 years of age difference. Hey, Giovanna, what's happening, girl? Put that in your book. I just thought I'd throw that in there. And you can study it for yourself. He didn't say how old is she. He just said, who is the young damsel? And they told him, and he said, look, boys, when y'all are pulling in that wheat, just drop some off behind you. Be sure that girl taken care of. In other words, I got my eye on this girl. This too real for y'all? Some of y'all look at me like, Lord, have mercy, Pastor. I'm just telling you the truth. <laughs> Same thing I said to Dustin when I met Giovanna. Who is that young lady? He said, Dad, you met her before. And I said, not like that. I'm sorry. Now watch this. Verse 18, chapter 3. Watch what Noah, said, Naomi says. When you get excited about your girl, your tongue will get tangled around your eye teeth. Verse 18. Naomi said to Ruth, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. Now watch how good she knows this man. For this man is not going to rest until the matter is settled today. Y'all didn't hear that there. I'm going to say it like this. Your Redeemer does not rest until your matters are settled. I'm going to say it one more time. He ever lives to make intercession for you. I'm going to say it another way. God's arm is not short that he cannot save. God will not rest until you are okay. God is not going to rest until it is settled. Somebody shout, thank God for my Redeemer. Whew. So she tells Ruth, when you go in there, whew, the first thing I want you to do is get under his mantle. She knew that the kinsman redeemer, Boaz, would not and could not ignore anyone who knew when to be under his covering. Y'all just missed that right there. The redeemer does not miss anyone that knows how to get under cover. I'm going to say it again. Your Redeemer will not miss you as long as you will get under his cover. Whew. 
sheep. Now, this could be a leadership teaching as well. Leaders recognize those who do not mind getting under their cover. She knew that Boaz would not stop until he got what he was after. Woo. Boaz means fleetness or swiftness. In other words, when he makes his move, it'll be quick. Somebody shout, I am worth it. Now watch his disposition. The disposition of the Redeemer. Woo! In essence, redemption is something returning to you or redemption is you returning to something. We'll say it again. Redemption is something returning to you or you returning to something. Here's what Boaz the Redeemer says in chapter 4, verse 3. Watch the Redeemer's language. He says to the other man who has the right to the property, he said, Naomi has come back from Moab. Listen to Pastor Rick very carefully. He never said she left. He only said she came back. He never addressed the loss. He only addressed the return. People that have an attitude to restore have the heart of the Redeemer. Preach Pastor Rick. Boaz could have said, you should have never left. He never said it. He never said you messed up. He never said, Naomi, you should have never left Bethlehem. He only noticed her return. We are so fixated on people that leave that we overlook with love and gratitude. The father did not celebrate or get mad when the prodigal son left. But buddy, when that boy come home, he said, kill the fatted calf. Get a ring for his hand, a robe for his back, and sandals for his feet. If we would quit talking so much about those that leave and start celebrating the thought that they might return, I believe we may see churches grow. Whew. People with a soul to restore have a heart to redeem. Oh, I'm coming to your address. Jesus said, judge not. Matthew 7, 1, lest you be judged. For with what measure, or with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Do not judge lest you be judged. Read it in the Greek. It means to distinguish or decide mentally or judiciously. Stay with me here. It means to esteem or condemn. To judge means to esteem or condemn. If we esteem what he has chosen to redeem, we enjoy the redemption and do not endure the condemnation. If we condemn, we receive a judgment that is condemning. 
Either way, you're judging. So if you're going to judge, which you are going to judge, then you need to judge by esteeming others and not condemning others. Preaching this sanctified church, Pastor Rick. If you're going to judge, which you are going to judge, then you need to judge by esteeming people and not condemning people. See the value of a person like God sees the value of that person and not through your own eyes in which you have the potential to disqualify somebody because of what you know or think you know about them. God knows everything about them and he still says they are worth it. So however you judge, which you are going to judge, that's what Jesus is saying, you're going to judge. And when you do, you better be esteeming and not condemning. Now watch the determination of the Redeemer. Who I feel this thing here now. Verse 4, chapter 4 of Ruth. Boaz tells the man that has an opportunity to redeem. He says, look, I want to give you this opportunity. Buy it right now before these inhabitants and before the elders. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, tell me. For there is none to redeem it beside you. And I am after you. I'm next in line. And he said, I will redeem it, which he didn't redeem it. He had the opportunity to redeem it. And he didn't redeem it. I'm going to give you the chance. But if you decide not to, I'm next in line. You may not see the value. But I do. He knew this man was going to overlook Ruth. Listen to Pastor Rick. For everyone that has overlooked you, for everyone that has rejected you, God has someone that is ready to receive you. If you miss everything else in this message, get that right there. For everyone who has overlooked you and rejected you, God has somebody ready to receive you. God has somebody ready to accept you. God has somebody ready to embrace you. Now watch what he says. Verse 4, verse 5, chapter 4. Then Y'all all right with me? Verse 5 says, now this is expository preaching for those of you who are wondering if my hermeneutics are correct. <laughs> Someday I'll give you a lesson on the art and science of preaching. And I'll talk to you about homiletics versus hermeneutics. Expository preaching is taking a story and walking through it. That's what we're doing today. Exegetical preaching is giving you three points, one poem, and sending you home. Well, to, welcome to the expository preaching of the word of God today. So I'm going to stay with the story. Hey! Then Boaz said, verse 5, chapter 4, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you will acquire Ruth as well. Then the redeemer said, no, no, hold on a minute. Then, then I don't want to redeem it. Watch what he says. Because I might endanger 
my own stuff. Hmm. I think he missed that right there. He said, now look, you can get the land, but you got to know that the land comes with something. He said, well, what does it come with? He said, a young damsel. Now, I don't know what else Boaz said, but he might have said, he might have just looked at him like, you don't, you don't really want her. Comes with, I mean, you, you can have the land, but you got a girl, comes with it. And watch what the man says. He says, I can't do it because it might endanger what I have. You can't miss the vocabulary of Scripture. Because when he tells him who Ruth is, he specifically says, Ruth the Moabite. You can have it, but this girl that comes with it is not part of us. The man wanted the property. He did not want the person. Be careful with people that see the value of possessions more important than the value of people. I don't know, but this pandemic has told us something. It has told us that really the kingdom of God is not about these buildings. Yeah, you're going to get this. The kingdom of God is not about your property. The kingdom of God is not about your possessions. The kingdom of God is about the people. And the people don't need a building to be the people. Oh, I know we're supposed to assemble and we are packed in here today, pretty, pretty full in here today. And that's, let's give God praise for that. But let me tell you, if your hope is locked up in the material and not the men, you have misprioritized your purpose in this earth. Here's the deal. The man didn't want his reputation to be marred. By having a Moabite in his family. Y'all just missed that. The man did not want his reputation to be marred by having a Moabite in his family. Some people don't want to touch other people because they are so far away that they feel like they will jeopardize their own reputation by con connecting to someone who needs redemption, but no one will touch them. And so we leave them out there dying, wondering, confused, discouraged, and depressed because we are so concerned about our reputation that we dare not try to restore somebody that everybody else gave up on. Somebody needs to give God praise that somebody else said, I know everybody else walked out on you, but I see something in you, and I love you, and I want to see you redeemed. Woo. The difference was this. Boaz wanted the person. The man wanted the possession. I'm not done preaching, but I'm close. 
I had a well-known preacher come to me in my darkest hour. And he said, I would help you. And I really want to help you. But all I have is my presentation. I said, sir, can you tell me what that means? He said, that means if you're close to me, then people are going to identify me by you. I said, I, I get it. What you are saying is, I could hurt your ministry. He said, exactly. You could hurt me if I associate with you. I said, I understand, sir. I love you. And God bless you. Two weeks later, a six foot three gray haired man that looked like Bill Clinton drives up in my driveway that I've never met before in my whole life, took little bitty steps to be six foot four. You ever notice John Wayne was a big man but took small steps? The Duke walked like this. You're thinking, come on, brother, now you six four, stretch your legs out there, cover some ground. Y'all ever notice John Wayne? John Wayne walks like this. And you just want to tell him, John, come on now. Stretch on out there and get you some territory. <laughs> and that's the way this guy walked up. He got out of a pickup truck and he's walking toward me. I'm sitting on my porch. Y'all heard this story. Humor me. And he's taking little bitty steps. I didn't know if it was Bill Clinton or John Wayne raised from the dead. He steps up on my porch. And the guy that brought him said, this is Dick Burnell. I had heard that name. I said, well, it's good to meet you. We sat there for four hours and talked. The man that brought him said, man, I got to go. Love you, brother. I said, thanks for bringing Pastor Dick over. Pastor Dick looks at me and says, hold on. He said, I'm not going nowhere. I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm not leaving. Don't you have an extra room in here? I said, brother, I don't only have an extra room. I got an empty house. Because when my wife left me, she took fork, spoon, blankets, towels, sheets, mattresses, bed frames, headboard. I said, now I do have a couch. She said, that's all I need. I said, sir, I don't even know you. I've never met you. He said, yeah, but you don't know what God told me. I said, well, what did God tell you? He said, God told me to fly from California to Texas to meet Rick Hawkins to tell him there's still greatness in him and I'm going to stay here until I get ready to leave seven days later we took him to the airport y'all don't hear me on the seventh day he called his 20,000 member church secretary in California and said Rick Hawkins is going to preach for us next week when everybody else gave up one man walked on the porch and said, you are redeemable. And until you get somebody like that in your life, you will always live hopeless and hapless. But when a redeemer shows up, then you can say, my story is not over. Bring me some more paper. Tell your neighbor you are worth it. God always has somebody, listen, in line. Somebody's always in line to receive you.
preaching good, Pastor Rick. I wrote this down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. When you hold people in a frame of time that revealed their faults and refused them the freedom to enjoy their future, you have not stopped them. You have only proved to God that he cannot trust you with the process of redemption because you will refuse what he wants to redeem. Lord have mercy. Somebody ought to shout right now, give God praise. Your Redeemer lives. There are people that God's got in line to restore you. There's a line of people waiting to embrace you. When you see people that left, you don't say nothing. But when they return, you ought to rejoice that they're on their way back. If we could ever reverse the vocabulary and quit complaining and moaning about people that are gone and start celebrating when they start coming back, redemption will show up at levels we've never seen before. You may not need redemption now, but I can promise you there's going to be a day in your life you're going to pray, somebody help me. Will my help ever show up? Oh, somebody shout hallelujah right there. I feel the anointing to redeem in the building. Redemption is in this house. Some of you are returning to your position. You are returning to your purpose. And people that left, now you're starting to see them as when they come back, we're going to rejoice, kill the fatted calf, get the robe, get the ring, get the sandals. Let me just say this to you. Be, be seated one more time. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Let me show you something. Where's my man, Christian? There you, there you are, Christian. Stand over there, Christian devil. I mean, Christian. Just kidding from last week. All right. You see that shoe? All right. I'm not giving it to you. When you read chapter 4, is what the Bible is going to tell you. The man that refused to redeem the property with the person. Y'all know who I'm talking about? The other guy? When Boaz said, if you want to redeem it, redeem it. And he said, now what comes with it? He said, well, the girl comes. Now, you sit down. You sit down. I'm, I'm sorry, but you somebody else. No, don't take it personal. Come here, Isaiah, because you got a girl. Come on, Summer, over here. You know you standing? Over here. There you Sorry about that, Christian. You, you don't have a girl. But we're praying. God's going to redeem that. Boy, I just opened up the door for you, son. They in line. They're going to redeem you, Christian. All right, hold on. Sorry. Today, you ought to just post on your Facebook, line up. <laughs> or who's next? Maybe I, that's probably what you should say. Okay. Hi, Isaiah. Hi, Summer. Okay, so he goes. 
He goes, now are you going to redeem me, right? You're Boaz talking to me, and I'm the guy. And he says, no, because I don't want her. Don't take this personal. Okay, thank you. We don't want her to bring me a bad reputation. Well, some of you girls ought to be rejoicing right now, you single women. Because let me tell you something. For every joker that rejected you, God was reserving you for the right one. Can I get a witness on the front row? Can I get a witness in this area right here? So here's the deal. The Bible's going to tell you in Ruth chapter 4 that when a man has an opportunity to redeem and he refuses it, he refuses the opportunity. It's in Ruth chapter 4. He has to take off his shoe. Watch now. And give it to the man. There are people that had the opportunity for God to use them for your redemption. They refused it. And it cost them a shoe. Don't miss this. When you are only wearing one shoe, you can only move so fast. Your destiny don't stop. It's just impeded because of your judgmental attitude. You can't get to where a man can get wearing both shoes with you wearing one shoe because you so judgmental, you half-stepping when somebody that loved all the property and the person is running wide open carrying your shoe. Y'all not hearing this preacher preach. I look back over my past and I realize there's a lot of shoeless people that are in my past. There's a lot of people that are walking around with one shoe that had an opportunity to restore, had an opportunity to redeem. But they said, Rick Hawkins, you're not worth it. And it cost them a shoe, which means it cost them speed to their destiny and the same for you don't curse them don't be mad at them just when you see them ask them can I lend you a shoe brother cause I know you've been struggling I'm preaching better than you saying amen right now and I realize there's a lot of one shoe people in this sanctuary right now some of y'all ought to just reach down and take one of your shoes off right now because you know you was mean when you should have been nice. You dismiss people when you should have been nice to people. You disqualify people when you should have embraced people. Religion thwarts redemption. Religion combats redemption. Religion says you got to look like I want you to look. Act like I want you to act. Live like I want you to live. But redemption says just come on with your ugly, unsanctified, sinful self. I love you just like you are. How important is it? I, I, I'm almost done, but not quite. Huh. 
When you look at verse 13, I have done preached myself slap happy. What, what does that mean? You ever heard a preacher say, that? I preach myself slap happy. What does that mean? That means if he had an arm long enough, he'd slap himself behind the head. And that's how I feel right now. If I had a retractable arm, I would slap my own self, Butch, and say, Rick Hawkins, you have preached in the building today. Now, this ain't going to help religious people. Now, this kind of message helps people that know they've been a mess. Now, religious people, y'all turned me off 25 minutes ago. But people, you know you're a mess. And you know you done been a mess in your past. You, you going, you ain't, come on, Pastor Rick. Preach the word in the building. Oh, my Lord, that's me, Pastor Rick. I was a mess. I was an addict. I was strung out. I've been through divorce. I lost everything. But God showed up. That's you. See, that's me. You preach like this to me, I'm going to take a lap or something. All right, now watch. Verse 13, chapter 4. So Boaz took Ruth. Already good. Let's say that together. So Boaz took Ruth. And she became his wife. Okay. I don't know if I should. I'll just say it like this. So Boaz took Ruth. And she became his wife. Now, I won't read what the Bible says because it's too graphic. I just, read, I just say it. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and she got pregnant. Praise the Lord. I won't read what the Bible says because it's too graphic. Boaz took Ruth. She became his wife. And Ruth got pregnant. Can I get an amen on the front row? And the Lord, I'm going to skip that too. It's too graphic. And she gave birth to a son. Then the women said to Naomi, blessed is the Lord. Now these are the same girls. They say, what are you doing back here? Now they're saying, boy, God been good to you. If that ever happened to you, them same jokers are like, you deserve everything you got. But then when you got saved and got your reputation back there, hey, can we hang out? Pastor Rick, can I come preach for you? I got some books I need to sell, Pastor Rick. I see what's happening at Quest. But I'm nice. I let them do it anyway. So anyway, blesses the Lord. Who is not, listen what she said. The lady said this. Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today. He has not left you without a redeemer today. Oh my Lord have mercy. And may his name become famous in Israel. Don't miss this Randy. She, they ain't talking about God right now. They talking about what she's carrying. There's something in you that you've been carrying. 
that's going to bring redemption to another level in your life. Watch this. May he also be to you a restorer of your life. Talking about the baby you carry. And may he be to you, the baby you carry, a sustainer in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, Ruth, who loves you, is better to you, to you than seven sons. And she, shall, she has given birth to your Redeemer. Then Naomi took the child, listen, and laid, her, laid him in her lap and became the child's nurse. Then Naomi took the child, laid him on her lap, and became his nurse. The women gave him a name. Lord, this thing will preach, man, saying a son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed, which means I'm a worker and a worshiper. I'm a, that's his name, Obed. I'm a worker and a worshiper. Some of you are pregnant with a destiny that says I am a worker and I am a worshiper. Watch this. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David. Are y'all hearing me? If Naomi would not have come home, if Boaz would not have redeemed Ruth, there would be no David. And if there's not a David, you would have to ask what line would Jesus come from? But because somebody was willing to redeem because somebody was willing to restore. Now we got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Everybody jump on your feet and give your Redeemer some praise like you love him. You have hope today. You have hope today. Lift your hands and say these words with me. I have hope for tomorrow because I was here yesterday. Think about it. I have hope for tomorrow because I was here yesterday. What did you just say, Pastor Rick? If he did it before, he can do it again. You're still worth it. He loves you. And believe it or not, there are people that love you. One of the things that has broken my heart the most during this time is the division in the family of God. And we're fighting for the same thing and fighting each other. And it don't take but a second to fall off in your flesh because you ain't that spiritual. And then you say things you regret. And I prayed this week and I said, God, save me from the trap. Don't let me take the bait. Help me to love everybody the way you love everybody. And help me see the goodness in every person that you see in every person. And help me to be a redeemer like you are a redeemer. Help me to be a restorer like you are a restorer. Throw your hands up and shout, I'm worth it. I'm worth You are worth it. There's a redeemer for you. Come on, y'all. Hallelujah. Come on, come on.
hands right now all over the building. Lift those hands. The anointing is here. Redemption is in this house. I heard the Holy Ghost speak to me when I'm walking back here. And the Holy Spirit said this. To redeem some relationships is going to cost your pride. Redemption always comes with a price. Somebody's going to pay it. Whew. And some relationships will never be redeemed until you're willing to lose your pride. Some things will never be redeemed until you lay the offense down. Get over yourself. This isn't about possessions. This is about people. Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your enemies and bless those that despitefully use you and persecute you. Bless them. He never said curse them. Jesus never said disdain them. Dismiss them, neglect them, ignore them. He never said that because that's not the vocabulary of redemption. And there are those of you in this building today and you say, Pastor Rick, I need that feeling of redemption again in my life. I need to feel the Redeemer alive in me because I have dismissed my own destiny. Would you come up here right now? This is your word today. If this word hits you in any area of your life, would you walk up here and let me pray for you today? Would you come right now? You say, this is my word today. I needed something he said today. If one thing stood out that I needed to hear. Would you come because the Holy Spirit's going to seal it. Jamie's going to sing it again. And as she's singing it, any thought, act, expression of redemption that you miss or need in your life, Come to this altar. It's available today. There you go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There you go. There you go. Lift your hands. Pray after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you saw the worth in me that I didn't see in myself. When people walked by me, you walked in and you redeemed me. You redeemed me not only from the curse of the law, but you redeemed me from sin and its consequences 
Today, I am eternally grateful. I receive redemption. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, for delivering me. In Jesus' name. God is good, isn't he? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.